episode 40 is a special one. First off, it's a milestone of sorts for this very podcast. Mark is wrapping up his final week of camp this week as well. To celebrate the occasion, we thought we would share an interview we recently completed with CCM recording artist Micah Tyler. Micah recently had the number one song in Christian radio for five straight weeks. He had a viral video called Gotta Love Millennials that they estimate had over 66 million impressions across social media. He's got a brand new book. He's lost 120 pounds. He was born in Texas and he's married and has three children. He has multiple GMA, Dove, and K-Love Award nominations, and you're really going to want to probably have a notebook out to take some notes because Micah shares some great stories. You will enjoy the interaction with Mark as two people that have been in the spotlight and achieved success. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Mark and I will return next week with another new episode. Here they are, Mark Price, Micah Tyler, and some former intramural champion. Hello, everybody. This is Josh Price, and you are listening to the Mark Price for Three podcast. Each episode, my dad will be talking NBA basketball, sharing some coaching and instruction, and of course, talking about his faith. Without further delay, here's my dad, Mark Price. All right. I tell you, I don't know how many people on a Monday get to sit with a four-time NBA All-Star and one of Christian Music's hottest singers right now, a guy that has a song that went five weeks at number one, but I get to do that today. So I'm, I'm going to fanboy out a little bit. Mark, how are you? Micah, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Aaron. And Micah, we're welcome to, welcome to our podcast, man. We really appreciate you coming on. Oh my gosh. Super, super stoked. We wouldn't rather be anywhere else on a Monday. So thanks for having me guys. I wouldn't either. I'm pretty excited. I'm just going to let Mark, why don't you start and I'll let you guys just chat a little bit. And then, Micah, why don't you take it from there? I talked to Micah a little bit before we started recording. And I know he's his memory of me is more on NBA Jam, I guess, watching. Micah, <laughs> I'll let you kind of share that part. Yeah. No, so I, 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 whenever I got the call to do this podcast, my first thought went back to all of the NBA Jam tournaments we used to have at sleepovers when I was growing up. <laughs> um, and how the sneaky pick, because we would do what we would do a randomizer. So, like, just pick your team for you. And anytime the Cavs went, went up, I, everybody just went, oh, man, because you got to start guarding Mark Price at the half point, at the half court line. Because that, that NBA jail Mark Price was beastly. He could pull up from anywhere. He was going to catch fire soon. And so I even told Mark, we, so we, we bought the the arcade game of NBA jail, like the actual, like, stand up arcade and have it in, like, our kids hang out room here at the house. And, and his name is living on to another generation. I know that people can find him on 2K, and it's an awesome way to play now, and the graphics are awesome. But there's something special about Mark Price pulling up from three-point, from well beyond the three-point line, but also being able to dunk and do a somersault while his balls are five. That's another <laughs> thing that you didn't really get to see on, on the NBA, on TNT nowadays. <laughs> but that is a, that's a, a classic memory of Mark Price in my brain with those really fun Cavs team back in the 90s. Well, the the NBA Jam was was a really fun game. I'm not gonna lie, and I wasn't a big arcade guy, but I I'd sneak into a place from time to time and play myself. I'm not gonna lie, that's kind of kind of weird. But oh, it, it was it was kind of strange seeing me dunk because I that just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like, why in the world when I watch this guy play in the playoffs against the Bulls and you not just just dunk it and do a somersault and let the ball get on fire? I was really confused why you didn't pull that out of the arsenal in real life. So, uh, oh man. 
That's too funny. That's too funny. Well, about a year ago, Mike, I was just moved back to the Atlanta area. And, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Bart Millard and, and Mercy Me was yeah. coming to town. And so I, I went to the concert and you happened to be opening for him on that tour. And so that's, that's really the first time I got to hear you live. I'd heard, you know, obviously heard some of your songs and you're just kind of making your rise on the scene, the Christian music scene. But, uh, but man, that was so great. I, I really, that was, I walked away being a huge Micah Tyler fan, man. You were awesome. I, I really mm. enjoyed that. Yeah, that that means the time. And I, I knew you were at that show because Bart told me after he said, yeah, just talk to Mark Price in the hallway. And I was like, wait, the Cavalier Mark Price? He said, yeah. I said, why in the world are you not getting me just sick? It, just so I could like, <laughs> I, and, like, but you know what? I, apparently the Lord destined it for today to be the day where I get to let you know that I'm a big fan too. And so I, that's that's awesome. I, I knew you were at that show, but like I said, I, I, I felt like I missed you then. I wouldn't get an opportunity to be able to talk to you. So. Again, super, super stoked that we were able to make this happen today. Mike, I have a question. When you guys were in Columbus, did Bart mention that he met an intramural champion backstage or no? Oh, is that you? Yeah, he was bragging <laughs> about that. He was, but he was, but he was shaking too much. He was, he was kind of coming off <laughs> how excited he was. I couldn't really, you, you know how Bart is. He gets starstruck. So, <laughs> well, speaking of Bart and Mercy Me, Gary Miracle is a good friend of mine. And you and I met. In Florida, about a year ago. I mean, it's hard to believe it's almost been that long, but I want to share a quick story. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but there was a guy there named Jim Matson, And you probably do remember because you wrote his name in Sharpie on your hand. And just for this audience, Jim was going through a pretty tough battle with cancer. And, you know, depends on how your view of that is, whether he won or lost that battle. But Jim passed, unfortunately. But, you know, the night Mm. that you did that for him, Micah, it was very special. And I, I wanted to share that because I wanted the audience to know what kind of guy you are. Oh, man, it, I started doing that about maybe three or four years ago because a lot of times I'll, I'll do a meet and greet or I'll do a, I'll be out at the merch table after a show and there's a line and I, I never want someone to feel like, I mean, the thing is, I'm, I'm glad I get to meet people, but, but my, my main reason for, for meeting people is not so that they can get a picture with me or so that they can tell me they're a fan of my music or whatever. It's an opportunity for, for me as, as a man of God, as someone who loves Jesus and the gospel changed my life to hear stories from other people of how the gospel's changed theirs, to, to be able to understand how they, they need prayer in that moment. And so prayer is such a gift that, that God has given to us. And the thing is, just, just in a realistic way, um, if, if I, I would love to sit there and just spend time praying for every person, but between my adult ADHD, just kind of firing off because there's people all over the place and, and, and also just, just me wanting to make sure that someone knows that I'm going to take the time. I, I carry a sharp in my, in my pocket and I just kind of write someone's name on, on my, on my hand because I want to go back later and take a moment and really spend time praying for that person by name. So it may say, you know, Billy's grandma, it makes you know, whatever it may be and stuff. But, you know, I, I at the end of the day, I, I, I would not be a very good dad and husband if my reason for leaving my house was so that I could go sing songs and people could cheer for me. And that was my main thing. Like if I'm going out there, like I, I, I tell people every concert I go to, like I, I did not come here to sing songs for you so that you could clap for me because when I get home from missing a, a basketball game or I get home from missing a recital or I get home from not being able to have a homework or, or you know, just missing spending time with my family, but I come back and my, my reason for leaving is, oh my gosh, you guys should have heard how loud they clapped if I got through singing. That, that does not make me the kind of dad and husband that I'm trying to be. That's not the kind of, 
believer and follower of Jesus I'm trying to be. But if I can come back and say, hey, I got to meet a man named Jim who's struggling with something that our family's been affected by because my brother's on his third battle with cancer right now. And, and I got to pray for him by name and I got to meet you know these people and share these stories. That makes me being able to travel and go out and be away from family from time to time really mean something and it, 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 it makes it feel more like we're really answering the calling that God's given to us. Wow. Well, and Mike, I, I think that's one of the reasons God has, has lifted you up during this time is he knows your heart. And, you know, so many times, and I can, I can relate being a professional athlete for, for so many years. And, and, you know, it's so, you get thrown in this situation that people look up to you and, you know, and, and it's just kind of a weird thing because I, I think yeah. you know, my story was, I, you know, I was kind of underrated, you know, coming out of college and things like that. I wasn't, you know, nobody expected me to be a NBA player for very long, much less, you know, become an all-star and all that kind of stuff. And right. so, you know, and, and I can see where your rise has been so quick as, as well, kind of, you know, in your mind, you've probably been grinding for years to do it, but, you know, in, in everybody else's mind, all of a sudden you've, you've blown up on the scene and, and now you're one of the top Christian artists out there. Just share with us because I, I can relate and I, I probably know what you're going to share because I've had to deal with it myself, but kind of going yeah. from where people didn't know much about you to now, you know, Micah Tyler's coming, you know, so right. how do you stay, stay solid and stay level? when you start getting the accolades, so to speak. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I, I, I think you, you really have to remember that the main thing has to just stay the main thing, no matter what you're doing. I tell people all the time, when I, when I stepped out to do this full time, it wasn't because we had a tour bus picking us up. It wasn't because we had a, a record deal with a record label ready to find me, or we had, you know, a full set of shows on a tour that we were ready to run out and go deal. Like it, it, it wasn't that thing. For me, whenever I was 17 years old, felt the calling to go into ministry. I had a youth pastor make a huge impact on my life. Was raised in a Christian home. Started dating a girl named Casey my senior year of high school. We've been married for, it'll be 20 years this February. And so, but, but whenever we graduated from high school, her grandfather was the chairman of the deacons at this little Baptist church, like literally a mile from where I grew up. And, and they needed a youth director. It wasn't even like a youth pastor. It was basically somebody who was like, Hey, can you feed these kids pizza and make sure they don't tear things off the wall? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I could, they could be the first job. So I, I, I ran in there and, and preached my guts out and started loving these kids. And, and honestly, the, the youth groups are growing. And, and, and this was a, a church praying 120 people on a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden we had 30 kids coming to this youth group. And I started going, okay, what, what should I do to make these nights feel special and like really involve some more kids? So I thought, I know I'll go buy a guitar and one of the kids in the youth group should learn to play it. They can lead a couple of songs before I preach. And that way we're getting them involved and that's still kind of special. So we went and bought this cheap guitar and none of the kids in the youth group wanted to learn how to play it. This was before YouTube where you could have someone teach you how to do it. And, you know, (laughs) you kind of just had to get a pull out a book, which is like for those younger listeners who are listening right now, a book is like the internet you can hold in your hand. And so, no. (laughs) So I, 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 I thought, I guess I should learn how to play this guitar because no one in my family is musical. And so I, I, I started like learning a few worship songs and it turned into me leading those songs on, on, on Wednesday nights for the kids. And then I started like having buddies call me up and they just knew that I would be cheap. I mean, they didn't lead worship for their group. They wouldn't have to afford, as I was told many times, like, we're so glad that you're coming in and doing this because we can't afford to bring in like a real band. And I didn't know what a real <laughs> band was in comparison. Like, I felt like Pinocchio, like I just wanted to be a, a real boy too, you know? And so, uh, 
So I started leading worship for friends. And, and really at, at 27, I'd been playing guitar for about seven years and singing a little bit and leading. And it, again, it wasn't because God laid out the next, you know, 12 years of doing this full time. It really oh. just felt like faithfulness. Like, and I, I remember that was my prayer. I said, God, I don't know. I don't know how to do this professionally. Like you're, you're, I feel, I just felt like the Lord was calling me to trust him with music and to step out and just to be available to whatever he would have me do. I didn't have connections. I didn't have, you know, either that kind of stuff. I just, I, but I had this, this calling in my heart to be faithful to, to the Lord because at the end of the day, we will never stand before Jesus and him say, well done, thy good, successful four-time all-star. Uh, well done, thy, thy good and successful interreal champion and podcast host, a yeah. successful, successful CCM artist. It is faithful servant. Like that's the hope that we want to hear. And so I remember telling Jesus that I don't know how to be successful, but if you could teach me how to be faithful, I'll be faithful to whatever you put in front of me. So fast forward 12 years later, and, and, and that is my mission today. My mission today, um, it, and listen, what we are being faithful to looks different today. I mean, goodness gracious, I know you're, you're glad that you're not having to, well, I say you're glad. Maybe you wish you could lace up the sneakers and go against MJ, you know, again, in the, in the, in, in the playoffs and stuff. And it'll be a really, but the thing is, that's not what today looks like for you. Today for you looks different the way that it looks like for me too. I'm being faithful to different things, but at the end of the day, I cannot, I cannot rest on what God called me to be faithful to 12 years ago. I, it, in the same way that my wife and I, we got married, you know, 19 and a half years ago. I cannot say I am faithful to my wife today because I got married 20 years ago. That's not how it works. I have to choose today to be faithful. And also we can't reserve our faithfulness until something better comes along. I could not say when God called me 12 years ago and just be like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because it's just safe. But as soon as you bring me a record deal, as soon as you get me a concert, as soon as you have a tour for me to go on, as soon as all these stars line up, then I'll be so faithful. I have young musicians tell me that all the time. They find me at a show where I'm playing in front of 5,000 people and they, I'm there in the merch line and they're not doing it it, it's innocent. It's not trying to be, you know, say the wrong thing, but they're like, how do I get to do what you're doing? And I was like, and in the same way, you, you practice a lot in the driveway. There's a whole lot of work that you had to put in that led up to you lacing up the sneakers and stepping in there and, 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 and playing in the playoffs for, for, for the Cavs and being an all-star and stuff. There's a lot of work that went into that. And I said, man, are you being faithful today to what God's put in front of you? Are you being faithful to your youth group? Are you leading worship for your church? Are you asking questions to the worship pastor in your church? Are you finding the local coffee shop and ask if you can jump up there and do a couple songs? Like, what are you being faithful to today? Because don't don't wait and say like, oh man, if, if, if God, if you'll just do this, then I'll be so faithful. Whenever maybe today, the thing that you're being faithful to is going to teach you and train you and build something in you that is going to 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 make you more faithful whenever that opportunity actually does come along. Well, that's that's so powerful and it's 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 so true. I, I I look at so many people in, in their lives, and many times it's it's me. You know, we're either we're either looking back at what what's happened to us, whether that be good or bad or or whatever situations in in the past, or we're looking to what's next. You know, what what I want to be, or you know, as those kids were coming up to you, what what do I need to do to be where you are? You know, and, and that advice is just so great because all we have is today, right? I mean, right. That's all we're promised is today. And God has yeah. given us, God has given us grace for today. And let's, let's, let's have peace in that. And let's like, whatever we're doing today, man, let's just give it all our heart 
and do it unto the Lord and, yeah. and he will honor, honor it. I mean, one, my life verse is in Ephesians and it's, you know, not to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think, you know, mm. it's like, it's like whatever plans that we have or can, we can concoct or come up with in no way can even touch what the plans God has for us. And well, and, and that, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Absolutely. And, and I'm a firm believer that God carves things out. God carves spaces out in our hearts through trials, like through tough things that we go through, through adversity, so that whenever we do have those things later, when those things are restored, when those things are redeemed, when those things come back or they are healed, we're so much more grateful. So when it, when it, 12 years ago, it, when we felt this call to do music, we, we did not have all the, the luxuries of being a professional musician. In fact, really, I just had a couple of youth camps and a couple of retreats and revivals, like to go play some music and lead worship with a band on the books. Like it wasn't like I had a full schedule. Um, but we, January of 2011, we stepped out and, and trusted God in this thing. So I, I, my last Sunday as a youth pastor, the next day, I actually started working for my, my wife's uncle who owns a, a Beasley Sausage, which is like this, this sausage company here in Unitech, like a little local company. And I started driving a truck for them a couple of days a week. I actually, I also volunteered, I went and started be, becoming a substitute teacher at an elementary school. And we were living in the parsonage, the place the church was letting us live. And so we couldn't, you can't just keep living there if you're not working there anymore. So we bought a single wide mobile home and put it on some borrowed land and just like they turned in these odd jobs to make ends meet. So it uh, really, a lot of my being faithful had nothing to do with the guitar. It was me trying to be a husband and a, and a father that really was, was still trying to, to take care of our family. And so really lit, when you're living in a mobile home, when you are driving a truck, and I remember what was funny was the truck that I drove didn't even have a radio. So I couldn't even like listen to music and like be inspired. There was just a <laughs> lot of days of me in that truck by myself in silence. And the only thing you could hear in that truck was me going, God, what are we doing right now? Like, what is this actually supposed to do? But now that, now that we, we, we built a home that we just moved into a week before the pandemic started, actually, which is a huge blessing. We spent the first six months, my wife and I, you can catch us at any, any moment, just, just weeping in this house and just being, being grateful. Like there, it, and it was always funny stuff. Cause like when you, when you live, we lived in that mobile home for nine years. Like I had multiple songs on Christian radio and we're still in this home because we're just trying to really, we're not trying to rush things along and hop into debt and do crazy stuff. We're just trying to keep being faithful and, and be, and be patient and wait because we've learned that, man, you learn a lot more when the Lord opens a door for you and you learn a lot when the, the door is closed on you too. Like when you run up against a closed door, you, you have to really assess like, okay, why, why is this not turned yet? But when that door actually does open, you know, it's purposeful. You know, the Lord did it. So you really, you could be so grateful for that thing. But I remember like <laughs> there would there'd be times like I would walk up on my wife and walk up behind her in the house and say, hey, and it would scare her. And I kept going, why are you being so scared in this house? She said, because I can't hear you coming. We're living on the ground now. <laughs> Which is like, you know, in a, in a mobile home, one that when you're three feet off the ground, you you get a little boom, boom, boom when someone's coming up on you. And so, and then she would just start crying. She goes, we live on the ground now. Like it was just so, but again, how faithful would we have been to, to, to be lit, just literally just lit, having a house on the slab and stuff if we were not off the ground for a, a few years. And so like just little things like that, you know, when we get to experience those things, the Lord has been kind of holding us, holding us away from or protecting us from or whatever. When he gives us those things, we have such a deep gratitude now. 
my, my, my youngest kid, so we bought this mobile home. We had two kids at the time. We have three now. And so we brought him home from the hospital to a, a little three-bedroom trailer where everyone else had a room already. So he was a nomad for his first five years. Like legitimately, <laughs> he, he slept in our room with a crib in there for a little bit. Then we moved a little tiny bed into the side of our room. Then he went and moved into my, my oldest room. He's a big brother. So they, they shared a room together and they had like a one big kind of full-size bed they kind of shared together because he's a little guy. So he just was like, he was a nomad. Like he just wandered around the house, kind of like wherever he wanted to crash is where he's going to crash. We would just find him in his little room, looking at the walls, just going, this is mine. Just saying things like that. And, he, and again, we're just going like, oh my gosh. But he was so good. We wouldn't find him in there playing Nintendo. We wouldn't in there find him, you know, doing some kind of like watching TV. We find him sitting in his room, just looking at his walls because those were his. And, and he would never experience that. If, if the Lord did not teach him how to love his life without having his own four walls, but then when he's given that blessing, it's like, it just meant something more. And so, like I said, I, if there's somebody listening right now who you're going like, man, I just want everything to be happening right now. God has very specific plans and purposes, plans to make you prosper. All those things today, they may just not look like the things that you want right now, because maybe God is carving something out in you so that whenever he does fulfill maybe some of these plans or, or, or maybe it never happens. And one day you realize, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I didn't do this thing, that we didn't run into this thing, that this thing did not happen. My road manager was just about to buy a house in Nashville when the pandemic hit. His wife was pregnant. They were like really trying to figure out what to do. We went to go buy a house. The pandemic hit. He goes, oh my gosh, we, we had such a hard time finding this house. Why is this happening? Well, then all of a sudden he's out of work for a year because we're not traveling. And he, he said, man, I would have went bankrupt trying to just like survive over there in, in, in an economy where we, we couldn't work and do music and stuff. I'm just, so now they were able to buy a house later that is their dream home. And, and you see certain things like, you know, Garth Brooks had the unanswered prayers. Some like, you know, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Well, the answer was either no or hold on, or maybe it is yes sometimes. But at the end of the day, I, I, I've learned to try and my, my, my goal is to be content with what God puts in front of me. It's okay to dream. It's okay to have vision. It's okay to have goals, all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, we can only be faithful to the 24 hours that we're living in right now. Mm. Mikey, you mentioned in one of those songs, and I'm not going to have the quote exactly right, but it's instead of praying, God, fix these things, fix me so that I'm able yeah. to walk through them. And, and I, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but... It's one of yeah. the most powerful things, you know, and I think that's what you're saying for, for those that are listening. Is that correct? Yeah. When we go through hard things, I mean, so 2017, hardest year of my life so far, Hurricane Harvey put 40 inches of rain on my little, that, on that mobile home in, in just a few days. It was, it was a rough storm. I was actually on tour with Big Daddy Weave at the time in, in Arizona. And all of a sudden my wife says, Hey, it, it just, the, the storm is turned. It's going to hit us late tonight. So I ended up hopping on. I had to drive three hours to an airport, took a flight to Dallas, then had to drive from Dallas down to Houston because the Houston airport was, was already shut down. So we live in Buna, which is like two hours away from Houston, but it's like almost Louisiana. So I drove all the way over to, to Buna from there and made it. And as I pulled in, the first drop of rain hit my windshield, ran inside the house, and then we kind of hunkered down. And, and, and again, the luxury of living three feet off the ground, it's whenever it floods, you've got a head start, right? So... We, we were we were really great because no water made it inside of the house. But what happens is when you live in a mobile home, 40 inches of rain and, and sweeps underneath your house and can really mess with your foundation. So all of a sudden, our house started sinking in some spots. 
But the thing is, what was way worse than that was right after the storm, maybe two, three weeks after the storm had kind of blown through and everything, my younger brother, Daniel, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. They gave him two years to live. You know, he's got all like the cancer had spread from his colon to his stomach, to his lungs. They found it all over his body. And they just said, we're going to start doing crazy chemo, just trying to maybe give you a little bit more life here. We'll end up doing a surgery. We'll try to remove what we can, but like, it'll, it'll only be something that we can maybe lengthen your life by a little bit if we keep, if we are successful with this. So we're going through a really tough trial. I mean, I just, it felt like it's coming in at every angle. And I remember just, I remember praying. I know that you can say, peace, be still, and the storm stops. So, so if, if it's your will, I'm asking that you would. I know that you are healer. I know that you can, you literally can say, you know, the, the, the Bible says that, that there is healing in the name of Jesus. So we're calling upon your name right now, knowing that it could heal. But over and over again, we realize, hey, the storm's not stopping. It just kept coming and, and the water just kept rising. The, the diagnosis is every time we went to the doctor, it felt like it was worse and worse and worse every time that we went. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just saying, God, I know that you have the power to when I ask you, can you change these things in my life, all my circumstances, I know that you have the power to affect those things. But if it's your will for me to be the one changing here so that I can handle these things that you're walking me through, would you give me the courage to ask that question too? Mm-hmm. Would you, would you, would you give me the trust to say, God, if you're not going to change my circumstances, can you change me in the circumstance so I can handle, you know, these storms? Cause the thing is the, the name of Jesus is also a, a, a strong tower that the righteous can run in and be safe. So it, it, it and here's the beautiful thing about this relationship that we have with Jesus. I wanted to know Jesus as healer, and I wanted to know him as storm stopper, right? As, as what I wanted him to be. And he is those two things. But what I got to know from Jesus is, number one, he has the power to be those things, but also he can be protector. Like he held us together during the storm. He can be provider as we put the house back because we lost four rooms from the house being damaged with the sinking and stuff. We had to replace the floors and walls and four of the rooms of our house. I got to learn who Jesus was as as comforter as the bad news kept coming in on Daniel. But eventually when they went in nine months later and did surgery on him and they opened him up to try to see how much cancer they could pull out, they realized there was no more cancer left. And it was completely miraculous. And and they they were just floored that he did not lose limbs from the chemo. The chemo was so intense. They said, hey, you, you like, we can't believe that you have all your fingers and toes left. We can't believe that you are cancer free right now. Like we can't put miracle on the chart, but this is, we don't know how else to describe it. This is unbelievable. But yeah, you get to not live your life. You won't have children, but like you can live your life. And then my, his wife was pregnant six months later and they have a little girl now. So like, look, we got, we got to learn who he was as restorer. We learned who he was as comforter. We got to know who he was as healer. And like you mentioned with your friend, Jim, you, you said, did he win or lose the battle? Well, listen. Earth lost a man. We, we, when we lost the people lost a father, they lost a husband, they lost a friend, they lost, you know, someone they loved. But, but he won that battle because, because he eventually was completely healed. And that was our prayer. Now Daniel's on his third battle right now. He's, he's like legitimately just rang the bell last week for finishing radiation. Going to have some more chemo, I think next month. And then eventually have another surgery. We're hoping to be able to remove it and he'll get to ring the big bell at that point. And be done with it. But the hard thing about with his life is we know that he is going to be healed one way or another because Jesus is the healer. So either we'll know him as healer here on this earth, or we'll know that he is healed in a way that cancer will never touch him again. And it's a hard prayer to have, but at the same time, 
I trust Jesus more now because of cancer and hurricanes than if I never had those things. So when people go through tough things, I try to tell them like, hey, it's one of the reasons why that's part of my story on stage. Is I, I hate talking about cancer and hurricanes. I really do. I, I would much rather talk about NBA Jam than, <laughs> than to be talking about these kind of things. But at the same time, I also know that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I've learned that the stories that we have to tell are not just for us to live, but they're for us to share with other people so that I can meet people like Jim, who he tells me that he is walking through cancer. And I can say, listen, I don't have cancer, but I understand how much cancer hurt. I understand how much cancer does not play fair, but I also know that Jesus is just as good at the truth inside of God's promises, his promise to draw near the brokenhearted, his promise to be closer than a brother, his promise to be a healer. Those promises are just as true in the most difficult of our situations as they are when there's no rain falling, when there's no diagnosis being placed on people, when there's no hurt and there's no tears, those promises never are changed by the difficulty in our situations. They're just true. And that's that's from me living and being able to walk through things with Jesus as he walks us through those things and shows us that there is mercy and grace and love and kindness and freedom, even in the lowest and darkest of places. Is that what people will find in the new book, Micah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really wasn't set up to, to write a book. I actually was going to try to do like one of those U version things. So the song Walking Free was out on the radio and I was like, hey, I'm seeing other artists do like a U version type of thing where it's like a seven day Bible study. And I, I, I pitched it to my management team. I was like, hey, can you find someone who can help me do this? I've never done it before, but I'm kind of thinking like seven steps to walking free. Like it's not like here are the seven things that'll set you free completely, but like what are seven things that I've learned that helps us practice walking with Jesus and trusting in the freedom that he gives? So next thing I know, they said, hey, we got a publishing meeting for you. And I had an idea for a kid's book that I thought would be a good idea. We haven't written it yet. And so I was like, oh, this was about the kid's book. And then I showed up to a publishing meeting and find out that it's for the walking free book. I was like, I didn't know this is even going to exist. I didn't know this is what I was trying to do. And so they, they said, listen, we, we really, do you think you have more than seven ways that we could walk in the freedom of Jesus? And I was like, well, yeah, because when I put the song out, people started sharing their stories of how God walked them through freedom. We put out a music video that went along. It's one still to this day, one of my favorite videos we ever made for Walking Free, where we told stories of some friends of mine who are part of a ministry called Ground 40 over in North Carolina. One of the most powerful ministries I've ever worked with before is a guy named Wesley Keziah. He was arrested 80-something times. And on his 82nd, I think, arrest, he's in a prison jail cell and the chaplain comes by and goes, man, aren't you just so tired? Like, aren't you just so tired of running in this direction? He had lost his dad sitting next to him in a car from a heroin overdose. Wesley had been a heroin addict for <clears throat> for 10 years. He had seen, he was, was had completely abandoned his family. His, he had three kids, had, had a, I mean, he just, he was just not a good guy. And he realized, I, I don't want to keep doing this anymore. And Jesus set him free. He walked out of that prison cell and he has been, he has been completely, he's been sober now for almost eight years. He's come out eight years clean. And he started this ministry where he's just saying, listen, the only thing I can offer you right now, we will help walk alongside of any physical ailments that you have. And guys are coming in who were in gangs. Guys were coming in who were incarcerated. Guys are coming in who have been drug addicts or alcoholics or, or just have been homeless, like all these different people. And they walk into ground 40 and he goes, listen, we're going to try to help you fix your life, but your cornerstone has to be Jesus. Like at the end of the day, no matter what you walk out of this place and walk into on the other side, if you have Jesus, then you have everything you need when you walk out of here. So that their ministry impacted me. So we shared that music video. And so what ends up happening is people start sharing their stories. So I just started, I started experiencing and hearing 
things about the freedom of Jesus that I had not thought of before. And so when it was time for us to assemble the book, I was like, man, I don't want to go crazy on this. I don't want it to sound like you have to do. It's not a big rule book. It is 42 steps. And it's each day. It's just a simple. Let's take a step away from our fears and step towards a faith in Jesus. Let's take a step away from trusting our circumstances and into a step of trusting really what Jesus is doing in the midst of our circumstances. So each day is literally one step at a time. And I've talked to people and they'll be like, oh my gosh, step 10 felt like the biggest step for me. Like that was, it felt like I had like 2000 pound boots on just trying to take this step. And I mentioned somebody else been like step 10 and that was really breezy for me. But step 12 was the one that really got me. And so for me, I just went back and said, okay, guy, what are 42 things that you've taught me? What are some, and we ended up writing like 50 something. We even narrowed it down. But I was going like, okay, what are some things that are battle tested in my own chest that I really had to trust Jesus? Some of them were hard. Some of them were joyful. Some of them were easy. Some of them were really difficult. Some of them had a lot of weight to them. And some of them felt like I was shaking weight off and making a step forward. And we're learning that a lot of other people, because our lives are all as different set of circumstances, are able to still find the same freedom in Jesus. And so it's just an invitation to walk with me through some things that God's been walking me through for years now. Where can they get that book, Micah? Anywhere. You can go on com. You can go on Amazon. Anywhere you get a book, you can, get, you can go on. I think Caleb has them for sure. And then also your Christian bookstore. If you go to Mardell, if you go to one of those kind of places, they should be carrying them right now. So anywhere you can get a Christian book, typically my book should be nestled somewhere in there. Just blow the dust off of it and pick it up. <laughs> well, the book is Walking Free, Taking Small Steps to a Big God. And I look forward to reading it, I, I, especially after you unpack it even more. Mark and I were talking offline, and, and of course, we got to talk music, Micah. So yeah. I'm going to let Mark tell you what his favorite song is, and then I've got I've got a few of them. As you know, I tweet too much. You and I met, and, and you said, you're that guy on Twitter. So uh, you know yeah. I tweet too much. Mark knows I tweet too much, so I tweet a lot. Uh, but Mark, why don't, you tell, why don't you tell Micah your favorite song? Well, I mean, we've just you've just been talking about it in the book and everything else, so it's kind of anticlimactic. But "Walking <laughs> Free" obviously is is my favorite song. It's just you know powerful message, and 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 I just every time I hear it, I just think, man, that's just so true. It's so true, and so yeah, that's that's definitely my favorite. I'm sure just about everybody that's one of their favorites. But Aaron's always the contrarian, so I know he's got a different one. So <laughs> I love it. I don't even know what contrarian means. I'm going to have to look that up. When we <laughs> All right. I have two, Micah. I have two. And, you know, obviously the catalog's amazing. I could say every one of them is my favorite. It's probably like picking your favorite child, but I have hmm. two and they're very personal for me. One of them is If She Only Knew. And uh, man, Micah, I have shared that with, I have two daughters. I've got nieces. I have shared that with a lot of young ladies who I think are under so much pressure right now. Young kids in general, hmm. teenagers are under so much pressure. And, you know, I've, I've, I've walked through some things with some of them. And so If She Only Knew is very personal. It's an amazing song. My other one, you got me. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was listening to a new EP and Remember This. Uh, oh, gosh. That, that wasn't fair, Micah. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark's maybe two exits further down the freeway than I am. We both got kids that, you know, in college and, and they're on that next phase of their life. And we're both, you know, looking at our wives now and we're in empty homes. And yeah, Remember This wasn't cool. It wasn't cool, Micah. I'm L- just listening. I, if, if, if me and my wife have to cry about it, I'm going to, I'm going to invite people to the party. That's what I think. Right. No, my, my, my son is a, is going to be a senior in high school this year, our oldest. So we got a senior in high school with my daughter's going to be a sophomore and my youngest is a fourth grader this year. And so we're, we're visiting colleges. We are, we're talking about the future. We're kind of saying like, Hey, 
what what did this look like for you? You know, and and he's he lives in a home with a, with a mom and dad who you know again I've I've had two big chapters in my life. I was a youth pastor, and to this day would still be in ministry on staff at a church if God did not radically like really change my heart to go do something else. I also went to one year of school, was in college for a year, and 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 was making A's, like was doing what I was supposed to do, but did not really. For me, that just wasn't the right. That I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I feel like I was just going to college because you're supposed to go to college. And I was like, I could be doing full-time ministry right now. So for me, I stepped into that. My wife was the valedictorian of her high school. She goes on to go to college, had a full-ride scholarship to go to school. So she went to Lamar, which is a local college here in, in Beaumont, and graduated, you know, Simcoe She was She was just an amazing student, became a public school teacher, taught, taught school for nearly a decade. Now stays at home with our kiddos and like it, it, it's been a great you know, kind of next chapter for her too. But I, what we're hoping is that we've modeled something for them. It's like, hey, again, it's just being faithful to God's calling you daily. And so we spend a whole lot of time doing inventory. That's a big, important part of our family. Like we try real hard to really take inventory of what God's doing, what God's been doing and where we feel like God's leading us to right now. And so I do a lot of looking back. And in fact, if you look back at scripture, tons of times. You know, it's the, the only day we can be faithful to is today. But gosh, the Bible constantly is is pointing us to remember things. It, it do this in remembrance of me is what Jesus says when he at the Last Supper, like he's really telling everyone, like, hey, you're going to keep doing this, and you're going to have to remember this this moment, remember this thing that's happening right now. Constantly throughout the Old Testament, God's like telling the whenever the Israelites do something wrong, he's like, don't you remember I led you out of captivity and I led you through the Red Sea. And then I, I, I walked you, I mean, you're walking the wilderness now, but it's because I walked you out of, you know, being captured in this way. So remembering is a big, important thing. And a lot of times I think we attribute remembering to like really major milestones, but I just find those little moments looking back have meant the most to me. We don't mention this in the song, but one of the, one story that I always tell people, yeah. so my wife and I got married at 20 because we couldn't wait any longer to make each other poor. And uh, we're just, we're just so in love. You know how it is. So at 20, we get married and we're living in a little one bedroom apartment. And I was a part-time youth pastor and driving a sausage labor truck on the side. So we we're kind of doing that little, before I stepped out and did it as, a, as a, when I was doing music, I did a little bit kind of when I quit college, just trying to make ends meet. So I was doing that and do the youth ministry thing part-time. She was finishing up school. So she wasn't a teacher yet. So she didn't have that job. She's working at Ace Hardware. And it was just times were tough. And I remember we just were broke. Like I'm talking about, Super broke, wasn't going to get a paycheck for another week, didn't know what we were going to do. And I remember like looking at the bills going, oh my gosh, okay, our bills are paid, but we just don't have anything right now. And we're sitting in this little living room and that night I was supposed to be preaching. It was a Wednesday night, so I was going to preach to the youth group. And I'm sitting there and I, and I just turned to her and said, I got to go make myself something to eat. Do you want anything? And she goes, I just can't eat right now. Like I'm just, I'm just not hungry. And so I walked in there and I looked in the refrigerator and I saw one piece of ham. I saw one piece of cheese. I saw jelly, crackers, and I looked over at the counter and there was a loaf of bread. I had two pieces of bread left. And I said, God, you've given me the blessing of a sandwich here. So I remember making a ham and cheese sandwich and I put it on the bread and I put it on the plate and I was just about to take a bite. And my wife, <clears throat> my wife from the other room just goes, hey, I guess just make me one of whatever you're having. <laughs> And I'm going, there is only one of whatever I'm having, but I couldn't tell her that I was just, I was going like, I can't. So I walked in there and I gave it and my wife, who is one of the sweetest, most amazing people I've ever met in my entire life, said one of the funniest things. And I talked to her, we, we joke about it all the time. She looks at me and she goes, oh, no chips. That's it. That's it. No, no, there's no chips. So I gave her my ham and cheese sandwich. 
And I walked in the room and I remember kneeling down in front of that refrigerator, kind of hiding out in there, eating jelly and crackers for dinner. And like, that was my dinner that night. And I'm going like, God, what in the world are we doing? So we, we go to church that night. I preach for the youth group. I had a lady named Teresa who was helping out. We called her Mother Teresa. She was one of the adult leaders there. So Teresa was helping out with the youth group. And afterwards, she said, hey, I got, I got a, a present to give to you and Casey. I know she's going to school right now. I know these are tough. I just want to give something to you. And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. So after it was over with, we went out to her. She said, come out to my van. We go out there and she hands me a gift bag. And she goes, this is for you guys. So me and Casey standing there, open it up. And, and what I thought was the worst gift that someone could ever give to someone who has nothing to eat at their house, she gave me a handwritten cookbook and it had all these recipes inside of it. And I'm going like, oh my gosh, unless there's some sort of jam up jelly and cracker recipe in this thing, I don't know what I'm, but it quit this cookbook. And I just said, I said, Teresa, this is so sweet. She goes, listen, I, when I was going to college, I needed quick meals to throw together because you know, you're working part-time, things are crazy. So this, these are all recipes that me and my husband would make whenever we didn't have very much time. And I said, that is, so, so kind. She said, but you're going to need ingredients. And she opens up the back of her van and there were seven bags of groceries inside of there. Mm. And it, every single ingredient for every single recipe in the whole book. Wow. And, and we're just sitting there going, because we never, we didn't tell anybody how we were struggling. And all of a sudden, God answered a prayer that we were too scared to ask. And, and we went home and that night we ate like kings. We're making these like... <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, we're just making a big dinner and we're going like, what in the world? But it's those, those are the moments I, I can look back and remember concerts with Mercy Me. I can remember being nominated for awards. I can remember some big monumental moments. The kids, the day our kids are being born, those are amazing moments. But I can also remember the first time they wrapped their little fingers around mine. I can also remember sitting in that and what the song says, I remember sitting in our apartment knowing that we were so poor, but feeling so rich because I was married to the love of my life in that moment. So I, we just want to, me and Matthew West and, and, and a guy named Jeff Pardo, who I've written a lot with, we just kind of sat down and it was three grown men tearing up for about three hours, just looking back on the kindness of God in some of the most unexpected of places. And so, yeah, you picked two of the tearjerkers. I, you know, I, those, those are both, those are both really special to me as a dad of a daughter too. This, if she only knew is one that a lot of people don't really know, much like Remember This, those are both songs that are kind of off the beaten path in my catalog, but are two songs that were written with a lot of purpose behind them. And so it means a lot that, that, that they were able to kind of walk alongside of you, you know, with being, being the dad of daughters and stuff. Well, they're very powerful and very important. I think both of them are very important. Every, every song that you have is important. So uh, Mikey, you've been wonderful, man, for giving us as much time as you have. Mark, do you have anything yeah. else for Micah before we, before we close it up? No, just once again, Michael, we just really appreciate you coming on. It's so uh, fun to hear, uh, hear your stories. The, for, you know, the, so many people, they just, like I said, when you're, when you're kind of on top or you hit the, hit a pinnacle and, and everybody's talking about you, they don't really understand everything you've gone through to, to be there. And, and so I just, man, I'd appreciate you sharing your story with us and how faithful God has been through, through the journey for, for you and. And man, we're just going to continue to pray for you and your family as, as God continues to use you in a, in, in a powerful way. And, and man, just know you got two guys here that are, that are big fans and, and man, are going to be not only cheering you on, but we're going to be praying for you. Cause I know that's when, when you're up, man, that's when, when Satan loves to try to knock you down and, and you see it all mm. the time. And so just know that, that we're, we're praying for you and, and praying for God's protection for you as you, you know, do the, 
do the job, man, which is leaving your family, traveling, going about, I mean, having to do the, do the life, so to speak. And I, I get it and I understand it totally. And I just know that it's, it's such a blessing to know that you have people in your corner praying for you. Well, it, it means a ton, guys. And really, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of you guys too. Grateful for what you do and how you're pulling people back towards, you know, the good gospel of Jesus. And I'm, I'm just grateful to be on the same team as you guys. I'm no Craig Elo, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll sit at the end of the bench anytime with you guys. So I really appreciate the time to, to be able to talk about, you know, what God's doing right now. And hopefully people are out there. I, I, I also want to make sure that people understand too, that hard work is part of this whole thing too. So whether you are, whether you are trying to be the best dad you can be, being faithful to God is, is a, like knowing Jesus and trusting Jesus and being faithful to the day also involves like working hard. And so like, I think you guys, you know, from knowing what you guys do on this podcast and everything on your podcast, I, I think that you're trying to, to, to really lead people to do the hard work of, of trusting Jesus and letting him lead, but also like saying, okay, God, but like, if I'm going to go out and make disciples, like, what does that look like? But also the importance of being still in those days, God. So listening to a podcast and trying to get charged up so you can go on and do the next thing. I, I think that what you guys are doing is super important. So I'm, I'm real grateful to get to partner up with you today. If we're ever coming through where you guys are at, you know, you got tickets anywhere we go. We'd love to see you there and hopefully get to meet some of the people who listen to this podcast too. That'd be great. Where they can find that is at micatyler.com, right? So they can find the yeah. book, your, all your links, everything's there and your upcoming tour schedule. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we haven't announced it yet, but I, we're, we're finalizing some plans. I can't really say who it is yet, but I've got another artist I'm going out with this fall and, we're, and, we, and I'm going to do my own headlining shows for like 11 or 12 shows. So we've got like 30 something shows this fall that you can catch me at kind of around the country. And so, yeah, hopefully we'll be coming to the bus will be rolling up to a, a city near you and hang out. Are you joining the Eras tour? Is that true? Is that rumor true? I cannot, I cannot confirm or deny that I'm a, I, that I'm part of Team Swift right now. I can't, but but if you know my music and you know, you know, I'm a 40 year old chubby guy from Texas. I really do fit the profile of being a a part of that a part of that tour. It's a really sad era, is what I'll be filling out if I'm on the tip <laughs> for her. So well, but, but yeah, I, you could be checking on social medias and 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 maybe someday I, I mean, old T Swift will be on the stage <laughs> together. Who, who knows? And that's a reason to follow right there. There you go. Well, you one last thing before we get out of here, because you mentioned Chubby. You're not Chubby anymore, Mike. A hundred hundred pounds? You lost a hundred oh, pounds. Yeah, I'm down like one twenty total right now. And so, you know, it it's been a it's been a wild, crazy we have done about eighty five. Probably since the last time I saw you in Orlando, I'm probably about, about eighty five pounds down from then. And so Wow. Yeah, man. I'm so I'm so hungry right now. I'm just no, <laughs> no, we we've we've been healthy. We've been trying to do it the healthy way, you know, diet and exercise, nothing crazy. Just trying to really be careful in what we're eating and putting our bodies and trying to put our bodies to good, good work. And so, yeah, man, just trying to sweat a little bit and not the way I used to be. I would just tie my shoes. I'd get sweaty, but now I'm trying to sweat on purpose to try to do, lose weight too. So yeah, man, appreciate that. We'll go get you some crackers and jelly and a ham sandwich. Yeah. And That's thanks it. so much, Micah. This has been wonderful. Mark, any last words before we close it out? No, just wish y'all the best brother. And yeah, hopefully our paths will cross again down the road soon. Sounds awesome. I'd love that. Thank you guys so much, guys. Thank you, Micah. For Mark, for Micah, I'm Aaron. This has been another episode. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mark Price for Three podcast. Remember to subscribe, like, review, and share. I'm Josh Price, and we will talk to you again on the next episode.